6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. Well, thanks for joining me on this uh, Tuesday afternoon. Let's get right to it, shall we? And we know that there is no easy answer when it comes to tackling online hatred and racism in this country. But the work has to start somewhere. And experts say it starts with all Canadians, all of us, not just the government. The need for change highlighted in the wake of that horrific attack in London, Ontario, that saw four members of a Muslim community uh, family killed, targeted, police say, because of their faith. Here at home, we've seen police investigate numerous cases of attacks on women wearing hijabs. Alberta's premier recently announced funding for security upgrades for groups that experience hate crimes. And Jason Kenney says the federal government needs to look at mandatory sentences for hate crimes after yet another reported attack in Edmonton. Mohamed Hashim is the executive director of the Canadian Race Relations Foundation. He joins us this afternoon. Welcome to 630 Chet in Edmonton. Thanks for having me. Let's start with this. You have said that Canadians need to step up in a way that's real. What does that look like for you? What does real look like and how is it done? So there's a number of things. I think that, I, first of all, I mean, this is my first interview in Edmonton. And I know Edmonton in particular has been seeing a very large uh, spike in hate crimes, particularly towards black Muslim women. Um, and that needs to be recognized. I think that the city needs to be able to say, it's not just the city, the city needs to obviously up enforcement, up, um, up report, like allow reporting to happen easier. Um, but also, I think it's it's about individuals stepping up now. We always point our fingers towards governments towards to, to find solutions, but we got to have the conversations with our own families, with our own friends. Like these like sometimes these comments are just passed around around you know who we think should or shouldn't be included or what we think about certain types of people. That stuff just needs to stop. It needs to stop. We need to intervene wherever we are because. You never know where people are taking those ideas. They could be, um, they could be saying that in a group setting, right? I, where uh, someone just laughs it off and says, "Okay, well, that's just like that's a ridiculous thing to say," but that person might be going home and sharing stuff on mm-hmm. Facebook, liking on different things, and then that accelerates that type of that divisiveness and polarity in society right across the board. So it's really, really up to all of us. You know, what do you say to people? And I, you know, and I know that there are there are people like, oh yeah, I've got the the crazy old uncle, or I've got the crazy old aunt, or whatever it is. I've got the friend. They're just making jokes. It's it's no big deal. Uh, you know, what what do you say to those people? You're saying that we have to have those conversations. We have to confront and say you have to stop that language when it happens. What do you say to those people who say it's not a big deal or they don't know how to do it? I think you gotta take that conversation with um, honestly kindness. Um, you can't go to somebody and say, "Hey, I, I think what you said was bigoted." Um, that's not how they hear. People get their backs up. I think you just gotta speak to them in their language to say, "Look, you know, you wouldn't expect me to say horrible things about different people. I can't, I can't stand by with you saying this about others either." I think we need to be able to. You know, just use good nature and virtue uh, as our defense um, and be able to kind of bring people on board with just honestly like a sense of decency. I think people deserve decency. I think people want to be decent towards each other. I think that uh, whoever you're talking to, however you're doing so, you know, bring them into a sense of, of, of honesty and decency that you expect from them as you, 
from the um, we, we know that Statistics Canada data on police-reported hate crimes show that religiously motivated crime accounts for about uh, a third of all hate crimes, second only to crimes motivated by race and ethnicity. Um, and according to that information, we know that Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, anti-Asian hate has increased re- recently. Why do you think that is? Uh, I think honestly, it's because like the, the the political environment that we are living in right now is incredibly polarized. Um, we've seen people people aren't living on the streets anymore or like in neighborhoods; they're living online. And we've seen a dramatic increase since COVID nineteen started of how pe- of, of how people are seeing uh, hate crimes rise. And you know, this has been going on for years. It's not just happening in the bubble. This is the, the number of years we've had with Trump. Um, and have increased polarity in society. And honestly, I think that we need to we need to start enforcing laws. First and foremost, I don't think that, like, to be frank, police take seriously when people come and report to them uh, what is happening. They they'll mark it down potentially as a hate incident, but there's no hate charges or hate crimes that are committed, and there and therefore people are reluctant to even go to the police because they don't have a sense of confidence that they're going to be. Uh, like they're gonna seek, they're gonna find justice there. So there's there's a number of things. One is we need to t- like tone down the polarity in society, and that definitely begins online. But we also need a way for people to feel like they can report it and seek justice. And when that justice is then enacted, you create a sense of deterrence as well. And I think that people need all of those different uh, options to to be able to move this move the dial forward. Yeah, you talk about those deterrents. We we know that there have been calls for the government to act on implementing online hate legislation that would crack down on crack down on a hateful material online. Uh, we know that hate speech is prohibited in Canada, but we also have heard for years now that uh, the legislation needs to be strengthened. Uh, here in the province, uh, Alberta Premier Jason. Kenny said yesterday in an interview that stronger mandatory minimum sentences are needed uh, in, in in dealing with hate crimes. How how optimistic are you? I mean, there's been a lot of talk for a long time, and here we go again. How optimistic are you that this time it might happen? Um, Jalen, I've, I've been in a mosque with bloody carpets and bullet holes uh, in Quebec City. I've spoken to victims who have survived this, uh, these horrible, horrible acts of hate. Um, my, my heart is getting colder by the day. And I don't know if, I don't know what will come about. But if I lose hope, uh, I don't think that's really an option for me. And in terms of um, like, like mandatory sentences, honestly, I want enforcement. I want enforcement, even if we can just get enforcement of the current laws, uh, where, where the police, you know, listen to people say, "Oh, this is a hate crime." Okay, we will we will act upon it. We will believe you that this is something that we need to administer. Um, I mean, I honestly went to police station three years ago because somebody made a video uh, that said I should be that that people should take a hammer and hit me in my face and I went to the police with this video and they said they can't do anything about it so 
honestly, I would I, I would love to see police actually taking hate crime seriously. Um, maybe they need more training. Maybe they need more resources. I don't know. But what I do know is that until we create at least, a, because no matter what sentence, you can increase the sentences, but if no one gets charged, what good are the sentences for? Mohammed, uh, there has been a lot of talk over the past number of weeks that Canada is in a in a reckoning, and um, with our Indigenous community, uh, following what happened in in London with our Muslim community, um, what's happening here in in Alberta, right here in in Edmonton, and I, oftentimes I see comments like and and from leaders saying, you know, hate and. Uh, misogyny, uh, Islamophobia, anti-Asian hate, uh, anti-Semitism has no place in Canada. And I'd like to believe, that, you know, it does. It has no place in Canada. But we know that it is in Canada. Do you, do you believe that maybe Canadians are, are waking up, um, maybe looking at this country that we've always believed was this really welcoming, perfect place for all, and maybe realizing that things are not that way? I think they are. I think that's because, I mean, when you find dead bodies in a mass grave that uh, you paid for uh, under your name and that you outsourced um, and you're responsible for, I think that is a wake-up call for people. Um, and, and we've just seen the beginning of it. Um, we saw that in Kamloops. I believe they found another grave site in Manitoba with 106 uh, young kids. I mean, imagine that. Mm. Like, like, we paid for this to happen, to eradicate people's culture, their language, their, their sense of pride, every week, to eliminate their sense of peoplehood. Um, and yet we've, 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 we've spoken of ourselves as though we're a country that is inclusive. I think people are coming to the reality that that uh, is, a, is a dream that perhaps we dreamed, but it's certainly not a reality that people lived. Mohammed, I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon, your your insight, your perspective, and uh, I look forward to um, having a conversation with you again in the future. Thank you so much for this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Mohammed Hashim joining me this afternoon, the executive director of the Canadian Race Relations Foundation. Uh, you should check out their website. Lots of really interesting, informative information and uh, much needed information on that website as well.